21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. Kind of my experience of being an estate planning attorney and helping people through the process is I've spent a considerable amount of time trying to go back throughout history and figuring out how people who really left a good legacy, what did they do? What were their plans? How did they put things together? And I've kind of laid out three three main principles that people do when they're preparing for setting up their legacy. And I like to call it succession planning, like successful people planning. But the three main things are, of course, everybody always thinks about the assets and the money. That's what people, when they're sitting down and going, oh, uh, should I, you know, what do I do? Leave my money. And that's their, you know, idea of what estate planning is. I found that to actually be not the biggest thing for the people that continue on, for the children or family or whoever. The second group, the second thing, principle is the intangible things that you leave. Your wisdom. This is actually becoming the biggest thing that's out there, and that is social media accounts as part of that. That is actually becoming a huge, huge thing that I don't think people really realize how valuable those things are. One, for those people that are building up um, digital uh, platforms that are incredibly valuable. How do you make sure those are preserved and continue on? And and we could talk uh, talk about that because that's actually extremely important. And books that people write, those type of things, journals. And then the last thing that this is kind of something people don't really consider at all throughout history, um, but it's actually been one of the most important as I've read old wills research ancient civilizations about how they constructed and built up. And that is what I call hierarchical succession. And that is the leaving of titles and positions. So people in authority and power spend a considerable amount of time giving their children titles and power and positions in order to keep a hierarchical control over other people. And we see that a lot today kind of shifted like uh today now we don't say that we have you know an aristocracy or something like that people go oh we don't have that anymore but we really do they're just in boardrooms as i've gone through this and one of my favorite stories that really opened my eyes was Back in the day, Egyptians had a tradition called a sabayat. What a sabayat was, it was as you were preparing to do your estate planning or your will. This It's kind of shocking to people to realize that ancient Egyptians did wills. But when they were sitting down, doing their wills, getting everything put together, what they would end up doing is they would start writing what they called their sabayat. And that was their instructions. And they would write out things and why sayings. And as they did this, they'd eventually get to their understanding of how they want to lead their assets, the things that they have. 
But in the first part, they would do this and it became very popular. And one of the most popular sabayats was so popular that, that it was reprinted multiple times. And a bunch of uh, Hebrews that lived in Egypt in the time found it and were very interested in it. And today, uh, not all the sayings, but a lot of Proverbs comes from Egyptian sabayats. And so one thing I sit down with people and try to work with them is this idea of either writing down now with the world that we live in, you don't have to write. If you're not a good writer, you don't have to write. You can literally pull out your phone, where's the phone, and film yourself leaving some kind of message to those people that you love and that you want them to understand and the things that you've learned throughout your life. And now with the structure of the internet, we're able to create an environment where it's possible that other people, to give an example of this, I realized this, so my grandfather's 96. And so about six years ago, I realized, hey, I, I, I should get his stories because he has a lot of knowledge from a long time ago and went and filmed it, put it up on YouTube. And then about a year later, I get a phone call from a really old lady. And one of the videos is about a, my great grandmother, Emma Earl Newsom. And she had an incredible difficult life. When she, grew, when she was in the middle of the Great Depression, she had 12 children and her husband committed suicide. And she was stuck in this incredibly difficult part of losing her mother, losing her sister, having to pull everybody together. And what ended up happening is not only was she incredibly successful at this, every one of her 12 children became millionaires. And I think about that story a lot, realizing that at that point in history, if my great-grandmother would have given up, I wouldn't have the life that I have today. And I posted this video online, and this lady calls me, this old lady, and she goes, I knew your your grandmother, Emma Earl Newsom. She goes, my mother was her sister who died during that time. And so not only did she take in us, her own 12 kids and have to raise them, she helped raise us too. And it was this uh, incredible realization of the difficulty that people have, but how I had never heard these stories before and had never witness any bit. So now, hopefully, her memory is going to be preserved forever because I've uploaded it to YouTube and I've uploaded it to Ancestry.com. So her ancestors now, and every once in a while I get a phone call from a great grandkid or somebody that finds out that this is her great grandmother. And um, that's what I hope kind of people understand about this tradition of, hey, you're putting things together but are you taking the time to put your own story together? I'm an estate planning elder law attorney um, in 
2009, I graduated law school and uh, unfortunately, really bad time to graduate from law school. And so I wasn't offered a job anywhere and I was finally able to get something to work out. And that was, uh, I got paid 10 bucks an hour to be an attorney for a firm. And uh, I remember I went to a job interview. It was for a little bit more than 10 bucks an hour, but uh, I lost out to a kid who had graduated from Harvard. And I was like, man, even Harvard kids are struggling to get jobs. And I decided after working a while for 10 bucks an hour, I could make more money on my own. So I went out and uh, I guess this is probably the best thing to admit online, but uh, I didn't have any money. So I took out credit cards and I had two little kids I had a wife and we lived off of credit cards for that first year. And going through that process of trying to put a firm together while there wasn't really an economy was incredibly difficult. And so I wanted to be an estate planning attorney. I loved estate planning. I went and got a master's in personal finance after after law school just so I could be an estate planning attorney. But people aren't going to be are doing their estate planning when they're worried about their next meal. So I kind of had to take on everything. And at the beginning, I did criminal defense work. I did family law. But what kind of really took off was all the fraud that was committed in 2000, uh, basically five to 2009. Everybody remembers it very well uh, on mortgages. And so I spent a, a lot of time at the very beginning trying to go after banks and title companies. Um, and that didn't work out the best. Uh, banks and title companies have a lot of money and they can bury you with work. And when you're a solo practitioner, you are overwhelmed with everything. However, what came out of that uh, was one day I sat in a deposition of a head of a title company. And at the end of it, they're like, are you done suing us? We're, we're tired of you know dealing with you. Uh, will you just take what we call in Texas is a fee office? And that is a title company. So I now also own a title company because of that interaction of in that deposition that day. But that's one of my companies. I have my law firm. And uh, it was incredibly difficult uh, at the very beginning. Uh, it was about two and a half years in that I kind of tell people, if you're going to ever start your own business, sometimes, you know, things just don't work out. But if you keep applying yourself, luck happens. Things just, you know, come across and it solves your problem. And mine was an attorney. I was, I was kind of known as the attorney that would take shit, shit clients. No one wanted the person. They're like, hey, this is, this is uh this is a case nobody wants. And this kid walks in and he goes, Hey, my dad died. He was killed. Uh, there's a life insurance policy. And uh I I have this notice, it hasn't paid out for 20 years because the life insurance company went bankrupt. And I remember in my financial planning classes, no life insurance company has never paid out. And so I knew in the back of my head, you know. This kid is not going to be the first, but he received a notice from a Delaware bankruptcy uh, court that, hey, you need you need to show up 
and try to make a claim here because we don't, there's no money, but you can try to make your claim. And I said, you know what? I know you don't have any money. I'll take this on a contingency. I know nobody else will take this case. I'll fly out to Delaware. I'll see what I can do. And just luck had it. I was able to fly out to Delaware and not a, I was able to get him 100% of his dad's life insurance policy. And so it was uh, my big payday that paid off all my debt that I had used in credit card debt and borrowing that I had did to, to get my law firm going and started. And so uh, it was one of those things of like, hey, you know, fortune smiles on those who who go out and just work and sometimes are willing to take risks on things that just don't make any sense. I couldn't tell you why in the world I decided to fly out to Delaware and spend $10,000 on a case that looked like it was not going anywhere. And then kind of after that point, everything started to come together. If you can stay in business long enough, things start working out. And eventually I was able to go to the area that I wanted to do, which is estate planning. I help people create their estate plans. I help elderly people that are struggling with long-term care issues. And we do probates where we help people who have dealt with someone who's passed away and getting the assets transferred. It's been a long time, but I remember it well. Just like the photo we keep on the shelf. So one of the things is being an estate planning attorney is things, especially today, are changing. And they're changing so rapidly that it's hard for even myself to keep on top of everything. And I had this one huge realization, you know, not that long ago, where I was dealing with the fact that, uh, you know, I'm 41 right now, and two of... I have 10 men in my life that I consider the most influential people of my life. Um, and two of those uh, uh, men passed away. Both were around my age. They're both in their 40s. They both had just turned 40. One was one of my best friends in high school. He died of cancer. And the other one died from uh, um, uh, drug overdose. And uh, that happened about last year and the year before. And as I was sitting and trying to prepare for or go through and figure out, okay, what about social media accounts should I really be aware of when I'm consulting my clients on how to handle this? And so I decided, well, let me go back and look at their social media accounts. And so I went to one of my friends and I started to look through his social media accounts and uh, his name's Brian. And it was, I mean, it was wonderful to go through all the pictures and see all these things that he had done in his life and he had accomplished. And, and then I was like, Oh yeah, we used to message each other on messenger and uh, on Instagram. And so then I started going back and reading all the messages that we'd sent back and forth. And in a way it almost felt like he had never passed away. And it was really a incredible experience to have. And then I was like, Oh, well I should, I should go look at my other 
friend's social media account. And unfortunately, I don't know what happened, but somebody had deleted all the social media. And it was, you know, such a sad experience and depressing because I couldn't go back to any of those messages that we sent back and forth, you know. Uh, and so uh, I I wrote a book during, I was writing a book during that time uh, about, it has nothing to do with what I do in law. It has something to do with how I, I uh, was a missionary in the Philippines during the time. But that's how I knew this this uh, individual, his name was Cree. And so I was writing about some of my experiences with him. And there's this moment that he taught me the ultimate kind of how to be a man at a, at a, at a point of my life. It was everybody was trying to get him to do something he was not supposed to do. He knew he wasn't supposed to do. And I was kind of sitting there keeping my mouth shut like a coward hiding in the corner because I didn't want to get part of anything and didn't get, didn't want to get in trouble. And everybody was trying to get, went over to him was like, yeah, you're going to do it with us. And he just looked at everybody and says, I'm not doing any of that. And I was like, it's one of those moments in life when you see someone become something and do something so brave that you're like, I want to be that, you know? And so uh, I, I was writing about that in the book and then right in the middle of that is when I learned that he had overdosed uh, on pain medication. He had, when he had gotten back from his mission, uh, he was a Wentworth construction and fell off a roof, broke his back and got addicted to opioids. And so during that process, he um, eventually he just couldn't couldn't overcome it. And, um, and so it's this kind of dynamic of one of my heroes who was so brave and strong could be cut down like that by something so small. And, and so I wrote about how he was one of my heroes and sent it off to his wife and kids, because I hope someday, uh, his kids really know the man he truly was that I knew and, you know, and that's part of I'm hoping will be his legacy for his kids someday. So the most important thing that I want to get across is what should you do with social media accounts? And now this is the most important thing. Do not delete them. And if you are in charge of someone's social media account and they have passed away, do not delete it because you are affecting whatever other people have connections with that person. I know also you can set up with Facebook and Instagram allow you to do it. If you, you can stay, if I pass away, I want my social media account to be deleted. I highly encourage you never to do that. 
you're erasing memories that other people would would really really want and more importantly with facebook you can set up a legacy contact they allow you to go in there and say if i pass away this is the person that would be in charge of my account for some reason they don't allow you to do that with instagram i am having a feeling the reason why is because instagram you can have reels which they pay bonuses on and i think one of the goals is is to to not pay those so Really, if you are running a business through social media accounts, which a lot of people are, you got to be aware that if you're making bonuses off of TikTok, Instagram, uh, uh, YouTube, I'll get to Google in a second, but let's go Instagram and TikTok, because those two don't allow you to transfer the login or anything to another person. And if you're aware of how you get paid from those sites, you have to go in and request the money. They do that intentionally. So if your loved ones do not have access to your password to get into those accounts, they will not be able to get that money. If you're in charge of somebody, so someone you love has passed away, they've been making money off of those accounts. Instagram will let you what they call memorialize the account. Well, if you do that, it freezes everything. You can now no longer log in and get the payments for things. So you do not want to memorialize an account if you're going to try to keep continuing to collect money, because not only are you going to have to be able to log in to collect the money, but you're going to have to log in and change the bank account on there to pay out to the right person. So that's that's another thing you want to be aware of when you're dealing with somebody. Uh, I know not everybody monetizes it, but there's a lot of people out there not doing it now. And so it's keeping that set up. A huge problem is going to be if, You've set up your whole social media marketing for a business that you're running that has employees and other people, and it's all through you, and nobody else has access to keeping that going and and keeping the, the communication going and everything. That's going to be a huge problem for the business continuing after you. Or for a lot of people my business who are attorneys, they've let some kids set it up that, you know, uh, Something could happen to the, him or, or her, or they're not granting you access to it. So being aware of who controls those social media accounts and how they're communicated. Facebook allows you to memorialize. What that means is no one can post anything. It says memorialize by the name. So you can leave loving messages and stuff. But like I said, that stuff's going to affect bonuses. Google, though, has a lot more robust things. And this is big for people who especially use... Google for Google Drive. And you might be storing a lot of data on there. At least I do with a lot of writings and stuff. Uh, under In the United States, we have the Digital uh, um, Access uh, Act that we allow people, an executor to get access to those type of things and, and get, and Google will transfer those things over to certain people. But those are things that, you have to think about in this process of putting it together, our digital imprint in the world is becoming far more valuable than our assets. Um, and mostly a lot of the pictures of, for me, my Instagram has nothing to do with business. It is purely, I make videos of my children because I want 10, 20 years from now, them to be able to get on and watch all these funny videos that we made together and that value is what I want and hope that passes on to them. So 
My wife knows all my passwords to everything. The hard thing is becoming now is how do you get your passwords to your loved ones? Because the problem is, is they make you change them every two or three months. So you give them a list and then they change. Or the other problem is, is you don't want just any sheet flowing around with passwords on it. Um, Google, if you use Google Chrome and stuff, they have a password manager that has them all saved in there. So it's more important that someone has access to the computer that they can get into in order to access those those uh, accounts and different things and be able to set everything up. But yes, really thinking that through, not only for the people that you love, but also for yourself, that's incredibly important. It's going to be the probably the most important thing years down the road. Uh, I tell people all the time, it's one of my points that I make is if you could have $10,000 or a video from your father who's passed, just telling you how much he loved you, which one would you really want? And most people would go, I want that video. And so taking the time out and going, if that's what you really want, I guarantee your children want that. Pull out your phone, film yourself, tell them how much you love, love them and leave it somewhere where someone can get to it. So I'm an estate planning attorney in Texas. If you're in Texas, absolutely, I can help you. If you're someone that just, hey, I, I live somewhere else, but I wanna talk to somebody about kind of putting everything together, getting the, my, my stuff put together, but also what I should really be focusing on. I do consultations all the time with, with people accessibly. I have uh, a lot of successful clients that are trying to figure out how to really focus on their kids and moving things forward to the next next generation. So my number is, or my office number is 214-250-4407. Our, an email to get a hold of us is a at lawwg.com. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. Imagine a space where triumphs, trials, and tales of entrepreneurship come alive. Welcome to the 21st Century Entrepreneurship Podcast, a gold awarded journey hosted by Martin Piskorik, connecting with listeners in 95 countries and ranking in the top 0.5% of all podcasts. Join our exclusive community, elevate your perspective, and embark on the path to success.